Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. So Daniel, thank you so much for doing this, buddy. I appreciate it a great deal. I am a huge admirer of your work. I've been following you on Twitter for some time. Uh, read your books, plural. How many books total do you have now? I have written four books and I've co-authored four. Wow. Busy so man. There's, Busy there's man. eight. Yeah. So give us a quick rundown on well, all actually, of I think you. I think you give me a bit of a run for my money, right? You, you that's right. You get out there as well. Yeah, I got four of them as well. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, that's something I need to think about uh, what my next one's going to be. Because I'm starting to get the itch a little bit. I don't know for you if it comes in waves like it does for me. I don't know if this oh, is... I go through a, definitely, I, I go through yeah. a wave where I say, that's it. I'm not doing another book. I'm done. Uh, I've done. I've said everything I need to say. And then shortly thereafter, I get an idea that I have to absolutely write about. And then when that, when that idea comes, is it a burst of energy that you have to continually follow through? There's a, there's a burst of energy that gets me halfway through. And then it's discipline, the other half. Yeah. Discipline, discipline. Because with writing, you have to do some semblance of it every single day or else yeah. you, lo- you, you lose, lose the, the muscle atrophies. Momentum. Yeah. And also you, you lose the thread of the book. You, you, you know, your mind moves on and you lose the kind of uh, momentum of, of what you're trying to say inside the book. So you kind of got to in, get into that rhythm or else, uh, you know, if you let too much time pass, you've got to reread the book and, re, you know, every, every time you pick it up, you got to spend two hours reading. I started writing, shoot, it was maybe like a couple of years ago, a fictional book. And uh, that's something that I'm like, I need to get back into that. But I went back and looked at it. I use a program called Scribd or Scribd, I don't know yeah, how to pronounce it. And I went back and started looking at all those sections and it's kind of mishmash. I'm like, wow, I need to either start all over again or just, yeah, because I've, you're right. I've lost the thread completely. And in a fictional story, that's really important characters. You know, you got a lot of balls in the air and, uh, uh, you have to keep everything making sense. So back to you and tell us about, because you're like a lot of hyper achieving entrepreneurial types. You have a lot of balls in the air, don't you? You have a lot of different things going on. Uh, yeah. So I run a group of companies, um, with probably around 100 employees. Uh, and in the group, we've got uh, 
technology and we've got publishing. Um, I've got some uh, training and development. Um, so a few of those businesses I started and a few of them I've bought. <clears throat> um, I've got three little kids uh, and we operate on, we've also got people in all time zones. So we've got a team in the Philippines and we've got a team in Australia, Canada, um, UK. And then we've got a bunch of remote workers around the world who, who kind of remote work in. Um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, you could say I got my hands full. And you are a relatively young man. How old of a guy are you? 42. Wow. And you've accomplished all this. I don't know. I, how? I started very young. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, I started at 21. So at nine, from 19 to 21, I was part of a fast growth startup and I had this mentor who took me under his wing and um, he basically, I was employee number three and then within two years we had 60 people, we had millions in revenue. Yeah, so I did this two years with this guy and learnt a lot from him and then I left um, at 21 and started my own company and it took off very rapidly so I my first company actually went from uh, zero to uh, 1.3 million in year one, and then it got to 10.7 million in year three. So it was actually, by the time that first business um, ran its, you know, by the time we were three or four years into that first business, we hit a million a month in sales. So it was um, pretty fast growth. That was, I was like 24 uh, when wow. that happened, 24, 25, yeah. There is a, uh, there's a podcast I listen to quite a bit called uh, How I Built This. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I've seen that one, yeah. Yes, and uh, there's a question that he asks of every entrepreneurial person that he has on there, which is how much of your success do you attribute to luck and how much do you attribute to your hard work? So I think luck is a huge thing, and a lot of the luck that we experience is um, – is luck that we just totally take for granted, like a fish swimming in water doesn't notice the water. Um, so like when I went to India for the first time and I spent time in the slums and um, I was staying in a five-star hotel a mile away from the slums and um, and it just hit me hard, really hard, that um, that my whole life I'd just been lucky. Just being born in Australia was, was incredibly lucky. Uh, growing up with almost no crime or, you know, a, a stable healthcare system and a stable education system. Um, and it really, like, it just, something shifted inside me because I just realized so much of what I attribute to myself and my own skill and abilities is essentially, you know, the pimple on top of the, the head of luck. Like, you know, it's just um, take away all of those systems and those structures that I took for granted. And, um, and there's not a lot that I could do from there. Um, so, so there's that basic, just pervasive luck. There's also the luck of being born at the right time. So, um, you know, being born any other time in history, you probably end up being a farmer or a soldier or something like that. Um, so being born at a time where you can actually explore entrepreneurship in a sensible way. Um, and then being very lucky to get a, a mentor uh, very early, you know, and being part of an early stage startup. Um, so, you know, I would say it's, it's, there's a huge amount of luck there, massive amount of luck. Um, because I acknowledge the role of luck, I, I actively try and do things that would be lucky. So, 
like for example if you stay at home watching netflix that's there's not a lot of luck that could possibly happen from that um if you go out and mingle with a group of interesting people then there's probably a lot of luck that could happen off the back of that um so i do evaluate is this a lucky activity or an unlucky activity there are certain things that i think are unlucky activities neutral and quite lucky activities um so i don't know if you knew i'd talk about this but i do think about luck quite a bit and and um and just that whole idea of can you make yourself luckier can you do things that have an, uh, a larger surface area for luck what do they say luck is where uh hard work and opportunity intersect and you have quite a bit of opportunity as a result of where you were born your family background your social network the time the, the when you were born and everything yeah. else but you see all this opportunity around you and you act upon it that is a mechanism that a lot of people don't have um entrepreneurial types people with a natural business acumen see all these little changes around them and, and they they can sense the way the, the the wind is blowing and they say how can i take advantage of this and how can i make some money of this that's something a lot of yeah. people don't have and this is a good segue into by my estimation tell me if you agree at no point in time do we have more opportunity to take advantage of all of these things the foundation has never been better for taking advantage of all these opportunities than right now from an entrepreneurial perspective especially thank you internet thanks to the internet and everything that it affords it's us more than, it's it's more than just the internet um there's never been more money on the planet than right now so the definition of inflation is too many too much money looking for too few goods and services so by very definition when the government floods money into the system uh essentially if it runs out of products and services then it inflates the value of the products and services so um we're all globally we're experiencing too much money chasing too few goods and services um so that is pretty amazing uh we also thanks to the pandemic we now have this ability to um have remote working and remote markets so for a very long time in my career if you were going to start a business you really did have to sort of have three to five people who worked within a few miles of each other um, who were going to run that business and the best people really didn't matter it was the best people locally um, and then if you were going to sell something you had to sell it to the people locally there was no real chance of you know like like you and i connecting um the fact that you've spotted my work i've spotted your work from across you know the internet and um you know and we've you know may never set foot in the same geographical location but you know we can have a connection we can have a bond um and i've got really crazy high paying customers who are all over the world um yesterday my tech company signed up uh customers in 29 countries and some of those countries i'd never heard of before there was a country called suriname which I'd never heard of Suriname. It's a Dutch colony in north of South America. Um, and I, I had to look it up. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I started my little company, Dad Starting Over, and we have this little private men's group, which is part of it. And never did I think that the number two largest uh, group outside of the U United States, as far as members were concerned, is Australia. 
It's like, who would have thought <laughs> Australia of all places? So much so that they have little gatherings there that they call wow. Mate Matefest. So they get together once a year. They've been to, I think, Brisbane and Melbourne. And, uh, you know, they hang yeah. out for a weekend and, and we I do a Zoom. It's amazing. Your work is impacting these people in, in Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me chills. I have chills just thinking about it. You know, just uh, oh, wow. never in a million years did I think a short 12 years ago that I would be in this position. But it was mm -hmm. luck. It was opportunity. It was a big part of it, though, for me was listening to smart people like you say, have you thought of fill in the blank? Mm -hmm. right? No, yeah. I haven't. And yeah. I think if there's any um, key to my success, quote unquote, it is taking advantage of those things, recognizing them and just immediately jumping mm -hmm. on them. Go, 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 go. And it, yeah. may and it may cost me thousands of dollars and some failures, but I learn a lot on the way and I go, 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 go. So many people I yeah. see that are like, sounds like a great idea. Maybe one day, maybe one day I'll write a book. Yeah. You've recognized that there's asymmetric risk. Asymmetric risk is really that there is a downside, but the upside would be much, much, much greater. You know, if you went to a casino and every dollar you bet could win $10 or lose one. Um, and you know, the provided you have reasonable odds you keep betting and every time you lose it's painful but every time you win it's really great and that's very much what the internet's like so you have this asymmetric risk that it costs you a, a small amount of time and money to try something uh, maybe it does cost a few thousand dollars to try setting up a, a business and and to validate it but if you get it right it could be hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars that that um that comes in uh it's important when we talk about luck and hard work it's really important to just acknowledge the opposite of that, which is there are a lot of men who are very, very hardworking, very hardworking, but they don't place that hard work in an asymmetric risk situation. So if you are an Uber driver and you're doing 14, 15 hour days, it doesn't matter that you're doing 14 or 15 hour days. It's a linear pay scale. There is no exponential liftoff point where suddenly it can start doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling. Um, you are just simply going to add an extra hour of work to the day and get paid for one extra hour of work. Um, so it's really important to zoom out and kind of have a tough word with yourself and say, am I putting my time into something that could scale, that, that could provide that asymmetry, uh, as, uh, you know, asymmetry? It's um, a big portion of my audience are men that are going through life post-divorce. So this is a big time for them to completely reimagine and reinvent themselves. They, mm. They've wiped the table of their old, all their old self. Now they have some time free. You know, they only see the kids half the time or whatever it may be. Yeah. Now they're they've lost the big home and all of that overhead. They now they have the small car and the small apartment, and they got a little bit of extra cash to play with and some extra time to play with. And a mistake yeah. I hear from a lot of those men is a lot of those men come from uh, very blue collar backgrounds and they mm -hmm. will say, um, I'm thinking about doing a little side business. Well, what do you have in mind? And they will invariably say something to the effect of some kind of business that requires me to put my hours in to be hands on and do something. So I'm going to do landscaping. It'll be mm -hmm. me and my brother jumping from house to house mm -hmm. doing landscaping. Yeah. And what I don't hear from a lot of people is, and here's how I envision scaling said business. They just look at it yeah. as 
putting in my eight extra hours a week or whatever it may be of time of landscaping, of power washing. I hear that one a lot. I don't know if that's big over there where mm. we have the power washers of the, 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 what do you call it? The pressure washers. That's what we call it. Where yeah. you clean yeah, up yeah. The, the driveways and the home and stuff. So everybody thinks that's a good, easy, quote unquote, way to make some extra mm. money. But what I don't hear enough of is taking advantage of this, the internet, yeah. Yeah. literally sitting on my butt, you know, doing <laughs> things that allow me to potentially scale and reach yeah. million. You and I were talking before we got on here that I have made dumb little videos with my dumb little bald head talking to <laughs> that. And I can see the stats. You can see the analytics. Five million individuals. Five million. Have seen me yapping away talking about. That's a Super Bowl commercial. That's a soup. Thank you. Exactly. (laughs) And and who am I? Some magician that has figured out a secret formula? No, I'm a guy who just did it again and again and again. You know, this is the fun thing with digital assets. Digital assets. So here's here's the three superpowers of a digital asset. Digital asset. As soon as it's created, it can be anywhere in the world immediately. So if the person who sees the most value in your work is in Brisbane, then it goes straight to Brisbane. So so it transcends space, it transcends geography, and then it transcends time. So you could create an asset today and it might get lift off three months from now and it might stay hot for three years and someone in six years might discover it and actually that could be the thing that changes you know, them and they suddenly build a relationship with you and a huge opportunity happens. So it transcends time, space, and then it also transcends wear and tear. So you create something that can be used millions of times over um, and it loses no quality. So one of the things that I love about all things digital assets is that you transcend time, space, and wear and tear. And the more that you build those assets, the more you can transcend time, space, and wear and tear. So if you do have a lot of digital assets, so I'll, you know, I'll give you an insight into one of my businesses. I've got a business that is a digital business um, called ScoreApp, and it allows people to build online assessments and quizzes. So we built some algorithms, we built some software, um, and we now uh, have a subscription to that that averages out at about $30 or $40 a month um, per person. And we have about four and a half thousand clients. So there's you know a few hundred, couple of hundred thousand a month worth of just revenue that comes in on that business and the algorithms are created and every time we want to add another 10 customers they just magically use the algorithms and if we wanted to add add another thousand customers they just magically use the algorithm so we issue people a username and a password and then they log in and they use the software and they're happy and and away we go so you know we expect that that business will get up to about a million a month in 2025 26 um and it'll just tick over and people will like it and enjoy it and use it and everyone will feel like they're getting great value for 20 or 30 dollars a month um and we'll feel like we're getting great value obviously our invention generates a million a month you know at that point so the beauty of that is that it doesn't matter where i am in the world um even right now it doesn't matter where i am time space and wear and tear doesn't really matter because the thing that we've built um you know, is, uh, is, is ticking away doing its digital asset thing. And I am a score app user and (laughs) I, then how I use it uh, for you guys watching this online. Um, if you have seen my little ads on Facebook and Twitter and so forth, there's an ad for uh, complete our survey, our scorecard and get a free book. And so that's what we do. And, and 
people go in and they take a series of questions that allow us and allow them to kind of gauge where they're at in their self-development. Mm-hmm. And we, now we have a quote lead or a contact that we put into our system and we market to them. And yep. we have our system, we use a system called Entreport. I don't know if you're familiar with Entreport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we can tell Entreport based on if they answered this question in the score app in this way, market this particular product to them and so forth. So that's something we need to flesh out more, but just so much opportunity. And score app, mm. if, if you're an online entrepreneur and stuff, jump on the score app like now. That is just a huge, I mean, that's one of those uh, duh things that once you you know looked at it and you go, why didn't I think of this? <laughs> it's such a good idea. Um, because people, it, it's the perfect little thing if people love to talk about themselves, fill out a survey about yeah. themselves, discover something about themselves. Mm-hmm. And then if you give them a freebie at the end, oh, hallelujah. They're happy like, days. happy days. Exactly right. And, Perfect uh, little interaction to start the relationship. And we have uh, thousands of, of leads every month because of it. And we've made tens wow. of thousands of dollars in sales because of it. Because of That's your little app. So thank you very much. So, but <laughs> perfect example. You came up with this little idea. You put it out in the market. Mm-hmm. It costs dollars a month. People like me grab it and say, and in turn, I make thousands of dollars. Uh, duh, this is yeah. a win-win. This isn't a widget that you went and had somebody assemble and put together and make prototypes yeah. and put it on the shelf and cross your fingers, hope somebody buys it. it that world exists. No. Great. If you want to be in that world, wonderful. That doesn't appeal to yep. me. Um, it's not nearly as scalable for me sitting on my butt here in the office like I am eight, mm-hmm. 10, 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, it's interesting too because both you and I have written books and it's funny with books because books are, there's so much of a infrastructure with Amazon to just simply sell books online. If you, if you know something about something, um, you know, take your story, for example. You went through a painful situation. You wrote about it. You took some great insights about it. Um, and you put that into a book and then I don't know how many, how many, like thousands and thousands of copies that sold, but what year did you write that? That would be 2017 was when I put out the first version of it. Dead bedroom fix is the one we're talking about. That's my most popular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so 2017, so something that you created in 2017, uh, I wonder how many copies it sold in the last month. Um, you know, probably hundreds or thousands and it's like, um, you know, something you did in 2017 is a helping people in 2023, and b um, earning you money in 2023. Yeah, and I bet you yeah. you had a weird situation that, like, I bet I bet there was a situation during the pandemic where you would have just hit on. You know, a lot of people are going through a tough time in their marriage. Um, you would have had a bunch of people just discover it. And you didn't even know in 2017 that you'd written this thing that would help people through the pandemic. There you go. Uh, and it's funny, once you put a product like that that out there in the ether, and it does have to rest on some kind of platform like Amazon, they, they, they rule the roost, Amazon Audible, mm-hmm. all the same company, by the way. And... Um, but something comes along and I, you know, like every other online entrepreneur, I, I monitor sales and I watch the graphs and stuff. And then one day you'll be like, and you're like, what just happened? It totally out of your control. And you go and you look and I do a little digging and I realize, oh, the podcast interview that I did with somebody two months ago just came out and it was just mentioned and, yeah. and, and, you know, a good 30 additional people in the last hour just bought it. Like, okay, cool. But that... <laughs> 
I guess our message is to a lot of people out there, don't discount or throw out the world of the internet and yeah. all that it provides for you. Because if you are the type that's typical listener, viewer, um, I'm divorced, partial custody of kids, money is not growing on trees. I have to, I do have to count my pennies. I'm working very hard. I'm budgeting. I'm doing all these things, but I would like to do something to bring in some extra cash, putting a digital product or something like that out on the market via mm. the internet makes a lot of sense for you. Yeah. So, but the, the question is though, guys say, I, I don't, I don't have any ideas. I don't have any, mm. is there something to help bring about that like state yeah, well, of look, se serendipity say, or something? Well, most people do have ideas. Um, they just don't have any very good ideas or well-formed ideas. Um, so you've got to build that muscle in the same way that you go to the gym and you can't bench very much on day one and, and then you build the muscle. So keeping an ideas journal is a really great place to start just noticing problems that people face. Anything that you've ever experienced as a pain or a problem or a frustration, there's a business in that. Because if someone else is experiencing a pain or a problem or a frustration, they're gonna to wanna to know how you handled it. Um, so uh, an ideas journal can be as simple as, I've noticed that the houses in the local neighborhood, uh, the driveways are disgusting and I'm gonna pressure wash them. Okay, there's idea number one. Um, I've noticed that a lot of people want um, some, uh, you know, some landscaping. Okay, there's idea number two. Um, I know that the guy who owns the um, elevator repair company down down the road, he's turning seventy, and he said that he's going to close the business down. Maybe I'll take it over um, and pay him off over five years. There's idea number three. Um, I know that I once got through a really tough time. And I'm going to write something down about it and put a book out and have a little community. And uh, there's idea number, there's the next idea. Uh, so essentially, you start with an ideas journal and try to clock up 10 ideas before you evaluate any of the ideas. So you just want to try and get 10 ideas without judging them too hard, just, just for the experience of um, building some muscle. One of the reasons I think a lot of people uh, fail is they act too quickly on their first idea. <laughs> they just get an idea and they go, they don't have anything to compare it to. So, you know, they get an idea and they just start start on it. And I would say a great thing to do is to say, all right, first I'm going to go through and say, I'm going to come up with 10 ideas and narrow it down to the three that I think are the best uh, out of the 10. And I'm going to put some, I'm going to put some rigor into why I think they're the best. Do they have the ability to scale? Do they have the ability to um, go exponential, right? What I mean by exponential is that they can double and double and double. So is it possible that it could double and double? So Uber driving, you will not, you cannot double and double. Uh, landscaping, incredibly hard to double and double and double, uh, but not impossible because you could theoretically hire an entire crew and all of that sort of stuff. Um, digital community, very easy to double and double and double. You know, 10 people turns to 20, turns to 40, turns to 80, turns to 160. So, okay, that, that's built into the mix. Another question you may ask is, could it potentially be exitable? So could I sell this for millions? So, you know, you're, you're talking about a lot of your community thinking um, about getting started. I also just want to throw it out there. It's not crazy to think about the idea of, could I sell this for five or 10 million? Um, so for example, if you have recurring revenue and you have a core team who are loyal to the business 
um, and you have um, some form of proprietary asset that you've developed, uh, that could, there's no reason why that couldn't sell for millions. Um, so I've sold businesses for millions. Um, I've sold pretty unimpressive businesses for millions. Um, so, you know, pretty, like I, I had an IT services company um, that just did basic IT services for, for others. And I bought that business and sold it for millions. Um, and um, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like this was Microsoft. It wasn't like it was changing the world. I didn't invent a cure for cancer. We just managed IT service contracts um, for, for companies and we grew, you know, we grew to a you know, to a decent size and we sold the business. <laughs> like, um, so you want to ask that question as well. Like, is this, is this a kind of business that potentially could sell? Because I will say, if ever it happens, it's a life-changing event. It's, you know, there are life-changing events that are negative and there are life-changing events that are positive and you can actually try and shoot for a positive life-changing event where um, suddenly you don't have to worry about money as much as you once did. Let's talk about, uh, we're talking about a lot of positives here. Money, opportunity. There are some negatives involved in this entrepreneurial world. One of which is if you're like myself, and I'm going to assume yourself too, once you jump in, we can become hyper obsessive about this stuff. Especially if you have multiple businesses with 100 plus people working for you, this can be in yeah. your brain 24 seven, 365. And at some point, yeah. you have to forcibly say, I have Enough, to step, yeah. I have to step away, this is not healthy for me. Um, how do you manage all of this? How do you maintain your energy? Because you and I are doing this interview, for example, when it's relatively late at night there in the UK. And uh, so you're taking time out of your very busy day to talk to me. Thank you again, by the way. But I'm sure you have lots of these kind of requests for your time, in addition to your time in your business, in addition mm. to your time in your family. How are you managing all of this? So there's a few support structures that I've got. Um, I have an assistant um, who manages my diary. So pretty much everything goes through my assistant. And um, she's able to schedule things. And I just tell her, I'm getting a little bit burnt out or I'm getting like, it's getting a little too much, um, dial it back a bit. And she will literally just move the meetings around and, and, um, or she'll, or she'll dial it back slowly by just not booking stuff, you know, giving me a couple of days off and all that sort of stuff. Um, so having an assistant is really helpful. Now that sounds like an extravagance, but a lot of people I know have an assistant in the Philippines for three or four hours a day. Uh, which is realistically six or seven dollars an hour. Um, so let's say you've got an assistant who does all your scheduling and diary management and things like that for thirty bucks a day. Um, you know, for some people, thirty bucks a day is going to sound high, but for a lot of people, it's like actually that's manageable. It gives me back some of my time to focus on anything at all that could be worth more than thirty bucks. Um, so yeah, um, uh I. I Tim Ferriss, Sorry, you're familiar with Tim Ferriss and his, his yeah. four hour work week. He was very, he's a big proponent of using virtual services all over the world to help him accomplish his day to day tasks. Totally. You can't manufacture time, but you can manufacture team. So, um, you know, I, this might, this might be hard for someone who's just been through a divorce and you haven't got all your ducks in a row just yet. But one of the things that I've always been quite disciplined with is that I know what my time's worth. And if I can outsource something for less than what my time is worth, I do. So if I know that my time is 
worth X and I can get it cleaner for less than that, then what I will do is I will make sure that I'm not cleaning my house. I bring a cleaner in and they're cleaning the house. But here's the condition. The condition is, is that if, I've, if I'm paying a cleaner to clean, I'm going to be at my desk writing or I'm going to be at my desk coaching or I'm going to be at my desk making some sales calls because I'm freeing up the low value time to do the high value thing. Um, so it could be, you know, so, you know, cleaner could be that you've got an assistant, um, could be that you've got an appointment setter. If you're in a sales role, um, you know, those, those types of people having a few people around you who organize things really powerful. Um, if you are, if you're doing okay financially, even just having an assistant who can help with like scheduling life stuff. So for example, you know, my assistant will make sure that um, I'll, I'll tell my assistant the types of social stuff I want to go to and she'll book in all my social stuff. Um, so things like going out on dates with my wife and, um, you know, f- for example, we're, you know, we, we'll go out and see, we're off to see Jordan Peterson actually in, in London uh, together. So that's, that's going to be a fun date. Um, but, you know, that was already in the diary and it was like the tickets were already bought and everything. So, um, you know, that having, having someone to just make sure that stuff happens. Cause it's very easy for that stuff to slip. So Susie, that's the name of your, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. exchanged emails with her. So we all need a Susie. Got to make a note of that. We Speaking of notes, Susie. you talked about the journal and so forth. Um, I, I don't want people to think that needs to be a literal paper journal with pen and paper. This, this is my journal and yeah. I opened up my notes app and all day, every day, I don't know about you. A lot of people in our world have some ADHD tendencies. And if it, if it comes in my head, it quickly exits because it's replaced by something else. So once it enters the head, I have to very quickly tell everyone, shut up for a second, get out my I phone, type it in there and go, okay, yeah. now, now you got my attention because I just thought of something. Okay, go ahead, wife. Tell me what you were saying. It gets even worse now because of um, ChatGPT. You can have an idea and then copy the idea down and then put it into chat GPT and just say, expand upon this idea. And it's going to like put 40 different points. <laughs> so like I will regularly now just have a little idea and I'll say, um, I'll give you a real life example that was silly just from two days ago. I was with a friend of mine and we were talking about how you've got to make a list of all the things you want to do before you die. And you've got to have a list of a hundred things you want to want to achieve. And I, and he was telling me how he sits down and he journals and he makes up all the lists. I said, have you asked ChatGPT of like a list of things to do before you die? And he's like, no, you can't outsource that to ChatGPT. So I write it into ChatGPT and then we go through the list and it's just awesome. Like it came up with way better stuff (laughs) than we would have. Um, And it did it instantly. So whenever I have ideas, it goes straight into my phone, but then it goes straight into ChatGPT where I say, write a business plan for this idea. Do a financial for, do a basic financial forecast for this idea uh, in the next three years. How many how many employees would this typically need? So, like, I will say, I will say, if I want to launch an app uh, that is a writing tool and it's thirty nine a month and we want to get to four thousand customers, what would be the typical employee headcount and what would all the roles and responsibilities be? And it'll just go. Here's all the roles and responsibilities. Here's the business plan. Here's wow. what you would aim for in year one, year two, year three. Um, no, and then okay. I'll say like, and then I'll say who would be a natural acquirer for that business? Who would build, who would buy that business? 
and it'll just come up with, here's a financial acquirer, here's a strategic acquirer, here's a private equity example. <laughs> and it just you, goes and... You are doing what every entrepreneur does. You are lighting up when you are talking about AI because you see the potential in this. This is a game changer, is it not, Daniel? This is beyond game changer. This is a world changer, this AI. Yeah. We, we can't, yeah, this, this, is in, and this is humanity. And this is in the infancy. Yeah, it, we, it, we just happen to be living at the time where man discovers fire. Yes, um, th that's how like, big this is. That's how big this is. It yeah. will change everything. The negative is, goodbye graphic design. See you later. We don't need you anymore. Goodbye. Insert thousands of other professions here. But at the same time, hello, infinite possibilities that we can't even conceive of right now. And, uh, yeah. you know, but for, for eons, though, we've been saying technology is going to make our lives easier. Just wait. Robotics will allow us to sit at home and, and do nothing while putting our feet up and letting them make the money for us. And we have yet to see that on a grand scale for you know, the yes regular no. Joe out there. Yes and no. Yes and no. A lot of the jobs that we do today, our grandparents would be shocked that that's a job. Um, so like, for example, there are plenty of people who are YouTubers and there are plenty of people who travel around and speak at conferences. And there are plenty of people who are fitness trainers. I mean, imagine going and saying to your great grandfather that, oh, I hire a fitness trainer. It's like, what's a fitness trainer? <laughs> oh, well, I pay this guy so that he meets me at the gym and tells me to lift weights. What? <laughs> How He's, he like, stands next to me on the treadmill and says, keep going. <laughs> like, our grandparents would just be like shocked that this is, this is a thing. So, you know, to a degree, you know, if you think about just how many emails you send in a week and how much, all of those sorts of things. And then if you also measure your access to experience, you are actually living in that time that it doesn't feel like it because the human condition always feels stressed. Um, like if you talk to trust fund kids who never have to worry about money ever, they're not happy people. They're quite depressed. They're stressed. They have all sorts of anxieties and worries. And yet they have the very thing that most of us think would uh, remove all of our stress uh, if we had that, which is they have just an infinite block of money sitting behind them that can never go away. Um, you know, but, you know, if you, if you ever get the chance to befriend some trust fund kids, it's not, you, you don't naturally and normally think, oh, I wish I could just trade places with them because they seem so happy. Um, so the human condition has something built in where we just can't be, we just can't be happy. <laughs> well, we need, what I've determined is we need some kind of mission. We need something to keep us busy. We need a little prize to shoot for constantly. Anybody who's done like what you've done has said, it, once I achieve that thing, I go, huh, well, I kind of oh, miss so the journey. True. I kind of miss all that, all that work to get there. Well, on to the next thing. It's the, it's, it's so the, true. it's the journey. Yeah. It's getting there it's is the, what keeps you going. Mission. It's having the mission. Yeah. Because one, the one thing, so I do have a trust fund friend who, a very iconic business in the US, his grandfather started, and um, a business that if I said the name, you'd be like, oh, wow, that's like everywhere. Um, and he, so their, their family's got like a billion dollars and, and they've also got all these like locations and shopping malls and all this sort of stuff. So he has an amount of money that that it can never really go away. But the funny thing about that amount of money being in the family 
is that it really makes most missions seem pointless. So for example, he got it in his head that he wanted to be a wedding photographer and like the wedding photography thing, you know, is like three or $400 a shoot. And it just feels pretty pointless when your trust fund made, you know, $170,000 that week. And now you're out in the sun for 400 bucks. Um, you know, so <laughs> having dabbled in the world of photography, wedding photographer is <laughs> not what you do for fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you might do it if you, if you, if you knew that it was a meaningful amount of money and there was a mission to it and all of this sort of stuff, but add in a large amount of money and the mission seems pretty pointless. So you end up with, yeah, having a mission is, I mean, it really points back to this idea that what gives you, what gives you joy is having a, a mission that you feel really strongly for. Um, you know, feeling driven on that on that mission. And most of my friends who are post-exit, they go start a new business real soon. So I've got this other friend of mine who's, he sold his first company for 200 million. He sold his second company for 900 million. And he's currently onto his third business that's currently worth about 2 billion. And he said like they, him and his brother, after the first exit could have stopped for life, but they realized this is what we love doing. We love building businesses. Um, we love, you know, making stuff. Why would we stop doing the thing that we love? So we sold it and we got straight on to the next one. And um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're very happy because they've got a mission. The, uh, you're, and you're pointing to something which, here, question for you. Are you ever going to retire? <laughs> no, never. Like never, never. Uh, I don't see myself I mean, doing it either. Yeah, I think... <sighs> I have a little bit of self-awareness because I've got some 80 plus year olds in my life at the moment that there comes a time where you do need to move into a certain older statesman role that's probably not, but my desire would be to never retire. I wish I could never retire. Um, but I also accept that there will be a time where it makes more sense to be like on a board or making connections or mentoring or something like that. But you're still more doing safe. something. You're, still you still want to do you still have a purpose. You don't you don't just wake up in the morning and go, well, I guess I'll go walk in the park today and there's still yeah, to, to do something, yeah. Totally. And to to a degree, I'm like already in a position where if I sold if I sold up some of my stuff, like I really could just do nothing for a long time. Uh, just that the idea of that just sounds horrific. Mm. It, but it, it culturally, at least here in the US where I've been live most of my life, there there's very much this uh, theme of I have to work so many years for a company, get a nice pension, save, 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 and then when I hit sixty or sixty-five, whatever it may be, I'm going to mm. retire, and then I'll then I, I will be was... able then I'll be able to enjoy all you know, my my riches that I've presumably saved all these years. Well, I really think that was probably appropriate up until a certain point. Like if we were to go back not too far in history, um, let's say pre even nineteen ninety it probably makes sense that the majority of jobs had to be geographically local um, and they probably fit into a varying degree of unpleasant things to do. So you were either maintaining infrastructure that was pretty full on. Um, you probably worked in maybe a hospital or a, a police or, um, you know, but it, what, there was not a lot of ex exploring your passion in any of that. Um, and then yeah, you probably did want to save up some money and retire at age 60 or 65 because 
this is where you can afford to maybe go on some holidays and do some exploration because you've you've gotten to the point where you've earned it and you, you explore it. So it probably made a lot of sense, but technology really changed things. Oh, the other thing to add to that picture, pre-1990, is starting a business was extremely expensive. The further back you go, you really, you were either born into it or, you know, it was very, very unlikely that you could, like, let's let's take a simple retail business. You want to set up a clothing business in 1970. Well, how are you going to lease a, you're going to have to lease a shop um, and pay six months in advance. You're going to have to stock the entire store out with clothing, um, which is probably, you know, adjusted for inflation is probably hundreds of thousands. Fast forward to today, if you wanted to start a shop, a clothing shop, you'd go onto Spotify and take a $29 a month subscription. You would uh, do print on demand or purchase on demand dropship type style arrangement for maybe 1500 worth of rolling stock orders um, so that you've got a little bit of stock maybe for fashion shoots. Um, if you were to build a fashion brand in the 1960s or 70s, even just having a photographer take photos of the thing, process those photos in a dark room, and then produce a physical catalogue would have been tens of thousands of dollars adjusted for inflation. Today, you can take photos on your phone, upload to Instagram, link to your Spotify account, and now you're making sales. Um, so this idea that retirement and working hard and then getting to a point, I think that was actually totally appropriate given the landscape of how expensive it was to start a business. But fast forward to today, if you haven't updated the software and realized that none of that exists anymore, you know, businesses are super cheap to start, they're super flexible. Um, you, you know, you can do anything, you can explore any passion. The other important point is that because businesses are non-geographically limited, you can explore the most weird, narrow little thing, and you will find your tribe online. So for example, I'm part of a weird group on Facebook only because I wanted to find the weirdest groups. But there's a weird group on Facebook that I found called the Fruit Sticker Collection Society. And these people genuinely, real deal, they like it's not made up, they really do collect fruit stickers and put them in little albums. And they have rare stickers and they have, you know, different and they discuss what they've found and they take photos of their fruit sticker collection. I had no so idea. There are, yes, these like Star Wars Lego fans, um, people who collect a certain type of vintage watch, like you could genuinely take your passion for watches and just simply find people who want to sell watches. You could photograph them, you could do them up, you could sell them online. Like because we're not geographically limited, any weird little thing that you want to explore could actually have 30,000 customers around the world who just want to explore that with you. Do we see, with, with the rapid advancement of technology, AI in particular, do we see that allowing opportunity to be spread out more evenly across the masses or are we going to see a wider discrepancy in your mind between the haves and have nots so are we going to oh, see a whole lot of people no, left with nothing yeah it's going to be haves and have nots and there, there's a, two reasons for that reason number one is because ai has two superpowers and superpower the first superpower is to get you to consume more than you intended so um, you might just want to go to Instagram and have a quick little scroll and then an hour and a half later you're still scrolling. 
that's AI. AI did that to you. Um, its algorithms figured you out and kept feeding you the perfect thing at the moment. I bet we've all had the experience recently with um, YouTube because in the last six months, YouTube has really upgraded its algorithm around shorts and it's very easy to scroll through those shorts and spend 10, 20, 30 minutes more than you intended to just on those YouTube. Uh, I delete the apps regularly off my phone because I just don't trust myself. Um, so AI has this power to get you to consume and there's going to be a massive swathe of the population who are hyper consumers and they end up running down the consumption rabbit hole, which doesn't lead to anything. Um, and then AI has the second superpower, which is hyper creativity, which allows you to come up with ideas and get them done within minutes. So as the, as this wedge divides society, some of us are going to get really, really good at building ideas fast and getting things rolling fast. And we will get used to the idea that you can turn an idea into a multi-million dollar business in nine months. And that will just be like a normal thing to do. There'll be a community of people who build multi, multi-million dollar businesses in under a year. And then there'll be communities of people who just, uh, are, you know, hit hard with this hyper consumption, this addiction to, to, to consuming whatever they're consuming. So that is the first reason that we're going to have haves and have nots. The second reason we'll have haves and have nots is because for most of human civilization, most of humans, uh, we had automation happening through soil. So the most, the value that was happening on in society was the value that was created through soil, through land. So you plant wheat and then it grows wheat, right? You plant wheat seed, seeds and, and then it grows a crop. But most of the value was automated. It was an actually automated process that all you humans didn't even need to know how it worked. We just stuck a seed in the ground and out came a plant. Um, so this is very similar with AI. You put a prompt and we don't know how it works, but out comes all this value. It just fruit, just it bears fruit. So in all of human history, whoever owned the land became the very wealthy, extremely wealthy people and everyone else paid to use the land and, and had a fairly meager existence. Without intervention, the way we're currently headed is towards digital landowners and digital serfs. Um, and it's really important that one of the reasons I do these podcasts is I really do want people to just get on the right side of the wedge with this and to start playing and start exploring and start creating stuff um, because I do think there is a, a potential future that we could fall into where it's very much built around haves and have-nots to a, to a large degree. And it seems that would, uh, logic would seem to dictate that a big portion of the haves will be the people that will be able to effectively control the AI to realize how to manipulate it and, and shape it and mold it to do what we want it to do. So for now, it would be if I had a youngster say, I want to get into computer programming, Mm, not necessarily the way you're thinking. Coding, done. It's AI is doing all that now. You need to figure out how to control that AI and to get it to do what you want to do. Become the expert in that. And then you can yeah. write your ticket. That seems to be the way to go. So yeah. we're going to see. Um, so maybe that's an idea for people watching this or listening to this. Maybe you want to start getting into the, AI more. Learn AI. Yeah, all of the things that school taught you were bad are probably the things that you want to learn. <laughs> the... It disrupt, being disruptive, getting attention, putting together a team of rebels and misfits who can come up with a, you know, who can execute a little plan, um, uh, having, having, a, um, 
having being able to jump from idea to idea and like you know get you know being being flexible not not particularly being focused just being able to mold like you know crazy person go around um i finding the answer finding who's got the answer and asking to copy their homework you know all of those things they're probably the good things that you want to learn how relearn yeah the ai is doing a number in the schools when a kid when they tell a kid i need a 10 page paper on the us civil war and he gets it done by that afternoon you're like okay yeah and, <laughs> something's and up here it, yeah and do you want it to rhyme and do you want it to spell it you know do you i want can put it in french too while i'm at it yes it's yeah. it's ridiculous so and i've made it so that the first letter of every sentence spells out the uh the the constitution wow. yeah yeah. So for if there's anyone out listening to this or watching this who is ignorant of the world of AI, start diving into it now because it is unreal. The more you dig into it, I mean, I could talk about this for hours. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. I saw the other day on Twitter where somebody um, took a photo of a diagram that they drew on their whiteboard during a meeting, like, you know, like a flow chart of something. And then they fed that to the AI to chat GPT and say, write code in this programming language that will accomplish what we've drawn out here. It did it like that, and it was correct. And it, yeah. wow, that's game changer, game changer. So the something for you guys to to jump on that or listen to this. Daniel Priestley, where can we go to learn more about you, what you do, how you can help those out there who want to jump into the entrepreneurial world? So um, I wrote a series of books. Um, Key Person of Influence is one of the most popular ones, um, and it kind of talks about building a personal brand. Um, entrepreneur revolution is another one that is like about the times that we live in and how to spot opportunities. So those are some of the ones that you can, can check out. Um, if you've already got a business, you may want to read oversubscribed or 24 assets, which are about running campaigns and digitizing a business. Um, so those books, yeah, those books are out there and, uh, check out score app, have a look at it, have a play. Um, one of the templates we just launched on score app is called the wait list. So if you've got a business idea, one of the cool things you can do is launch a waitlist for it. So you might say, oh, I think I might start a business pressure washing, right? So I'm launching a, I'm launching a pressure washing business in this area. If you're interested, join the waitlist, let me know, um, and then I'll get around to coming and talking to you. Um, and if people join the waitlist, then it's a good idea. And if they don't join the waitlist, then it's not a good idea. So um, we've created some templates for people to very easily collect data and get a waitlist going. Um, so, so fun stuff like that is, is in score app. You can do all of that with a free account. Um, so, uh, yeah, those very would be a good. few things. Daniel Priestley, Dent Global. Thank you so very much. I appreciate everything you do. Keep it up. I'll keep following you on Twitter. I'm noticing you're getting more active. Your, your members, I've always thought your member or your follower count was way too low on that. I know mine is. I have, I have yet to crack that on YouTube. I have yet to crack. TikTok, I'm big, and Facebook, I'm big. But Twitter and YouTube, I, I have yet to, to crack those two. But uh, follow Daniel on Twitter. Look for Daniel Priestley, Dent Global. You'll find him. Score app, huge, huge fan of Score app. Thank you so very much. Appreciate what a pleasure. You. Thanks for having me. Right, thank you. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. 
Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.